Think about where you were one year ago today. What were you planning for? Whether or not you planned for a new challenge, you got it. And most importantly, you succeeded. Cooking at home, learning at home, and banking at home. At Whitefish Credit Union, we understand you've been through a lot. And as you move through the year, just know we'll be right there at your side. This year, next year, and always. Whitefish Credit Union. Subject to membership eligibility. Yeah! The Flathead's only local sports talk show. The Knock on Sports. Six to eight weeknights. Only on 96.5 and 600 KGEZ. Here's your host, Anthony Knockreiner. Welcome back inside the Whitefish Credit Union studios here as we get to the latest as right now Southern Utah leading Montana State 50 to 48. What a game going on in Boise. Like I said, if we got time, we will definitely head out there and uh, get you the latest on that game here in a little bit. But first, Grizz football. Started practices today. Uh, they opted out of the spring season. So far, it sounds like they. Uh, we know for a fact they've got two games uh, against Central Washington. I believe it is the 10th, and then against uh, Portland State on the 17th. Now, on the Inside the Den podcast with Riley Corcoran, we had Riley on the show on Monday, and he kind of alluded to this as well. Coach Houck alluded to possibly a third game for the spring. That could potentially be towards the beginning of April. So I don't know who that opponent could be. Could it be against one of the frontier schools? Uh, we'll see. But the fact that Montana is looking for a third game is fantastic. I like the fact that they're doing that. I kind of wish Montana State would, but I kind of understand why Montana State is not because obviously new head coaching staff, they have a lot of things they have to put in, a lot of terminology, a lot of things are changing now. I don't know how much the defense is going to change. I don't think it changes a ton in personnel, but again, the verbiage, the schemes, all those things likely to change. And so just doesn't make sense for Montana State to play an opponent when they barely understand the system that new head coach Brent Vegan uh, wants to bring to the table. So with that being said, Montana does get the the, uh, practices started here. And so there's a lot to this football team because we haven't seen them since the Weber State game. uh, I want to say in the oh, in the quarterfinals. When they played Weber State in that uh, really bad weather game, and unfortunately for Dalton Sneed, threw four picks in that one. Uh, Montana had done such a nice job taking care of business against Weber State earlier on uh, in the season, but unfortunately just a bad game at the wrong time ended the Grizz season in the playoff run. So we haven't seen this team since then. So there's been a lot of questions. Obviously, with Dalton Sneed gone, Dante Olsen gone, they had to replace those guys. On top of that, too, they did lose uh, Toure, their, their big-time play-wide big, you know, big receiver. Big play-wide receiver, I should say. They lost him to Nebraska because he entered the transfer portal, so now he's a Cornhusker. Uh, so you got to figure out what you're going to do there. So when I look at this, I think it's pretty easy to know that, okay, Jace Lewis was outstanding. He was the preseason Big Sky defensive MVP before the season got uh, shut down. So I don't don't think that's going to change. So Jace Lewis obviously moves over uh, to where Dante Olsen was playing. Now they just got to find somebody uh, to pair him with. And that'll be the question, obviously. But my top five questions for Grizz football. 
Number one, who's taking over at quarterback? Now, again, you're probably thinking, well, not. We already know. Cam Humphrey. True, but here's the thing. Cam Humphrey, obviously, redshirt senior, 3-0. And uh, when he stepped in for Dalton Steen, when Dalton Steen had missed time because of injuries, he went 3-0. He uh, completed 63 out of 104 passes, threw for 761 yards, six touchdowns, two picks. I believe had a four-touchdown game as well in there. Very, very impressive. And he has a grasp of this offense. He's been with this team for three years. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, yeah, Cam Humphrey likely is the starter going into this fall season and going into these games coming up. But the reason why I still ask this question is because you've got a lot of youth. Again, Montana has a senior quarterback. So they have the answer for now. But you've got a lot of young, talented quarterbacks right behind him. Now, one name I heard a lot of before all the COVID stuff and everything, and even leading up to the 2019 season, one quarterback that wowed as a true freshman was Chris Brown from Bozeman. Six foot four, 215 pounds. Coach Houck talked about it to multiple media outlets, how much this year that they have gotten in the weight room has really helped them. I think what Marcus Knight put on like 24 pounds of muscle, so he's like 218 right now, a guy that was new Big Sky Conference newcomer of the year. I can't imagine how much these guys have really improved in terms of the weight room. And I'm wondering if that's going to pay dividends considering the fact other Big Sky Conference teams are playing instead of using this time to be in the weight room. So I am kind of curious to see if these gains, even this extra month or two gains, are going to make a difference come the fall. But again, back to the quarterbacks. You've got Kirk Reigel that transferred from the University of South Florida. You have Robbie Patterson that transferred as well. You've got Carson Rosted, who is a freshman uh, coming into the fall last year. And as I mentioned, you've got Chris Brown. Here's another added piece to the puzzle. The Grizz also recruited and got the commitment, and he's going to be at the University of Montana, a terrific quarterback who's going to be playing in the uh, blue-gray American game which is an all-star game for high school, for the top athletes across the high school landscape. Daniel Britt. So you got a freshman quarterback coming in. Now, I would think this. Any freshman coming into the program this year, they're going to be redshirted. Just because of the roster situation, which we have talked about numerous times before, especially around recruiting time, especially around National Signing Day. So I imagine Daniel Britt is more than likely going to be redshirted this year. Just simply due to numbers. So it makes it interesting, okay, who's fighting for the backup job behind Cam Humphrey? Because we have seen starting quarterbacks, you may need somebody to step in a game or two. Cam Humphrey had to do that for Dalton Sneed and did a very good job. So who's going to take that number two spot? Is it going to be Rostead? Is it going to be Brown? Is it going to be Rigel? I mean, I hope I'm saying his name right. My leading, my leading candidate here isn't Rigel. It isn't Patterson. It's Chris Brown. Now, Brown is not as, again, he was an athlete. I saw him at Bozeman. Dude can definitely make plays with his legs. But is he as athletic as Dalton Sneed is or Cam Humphrey? Not exactly. But again, he still brings quickness. He still brings the ability to move in the pocket and be able to make plays on the run if he needs to. He, he's just, I don't know if he's going to be able to break a 60-yard touchdown run like Dalton Sneed did. But again, he is a terrific thrower of the football. And something that we talked about leading up even to the 2019, during the fall camp of the 2019 season, Chris Brown was really making some nice strides as a young quarterback. Because out of these young quarterbacks, outside of Patterson and Reigel, you got two of those guys. Who's going to step up and be the backup quarterback? 
I know Rigel transferred in, but I imagine that's just for some competition. That is to try and push Cam Humphrey, maybe push some of the young guys as well. Maybe he's maybe he does play. Who knows? But my leading bet is going to be on Chris Brown. I really like what I've seen from him when he was at height, when he was in high school, when he was at Bozeman. That offense was terrific, even when they did lose Olsen halfway through the season. He was not easy to stop, as I know uh, Coach Matt Upham uh, from Flathead, who was at the defensive coordinator at the time, probably knows as well. But Chris Brown, I think because of some of the things that we've seen, and I'm sure he's been putting a ton of work in, I like him possibly as the backup quarterback behind Cam Humphrey. But then that brings up another interesting question about the quarterback position. What are you going to do? Because, again, we've seen kids, they just didn't, they enter the transfer portal if they're not happy with their situation. I'm, I'm going way, way, way far away in terms of the future. But what happens? Because you've got young quarterbacks. You've got Carson Rostead. Absolutely phenomenal numbers. Uh, all kinds of, of records to go along with it. Passing records at Hamilton. Was just an absolute uh, talent throwing the football. 2018 Gatorade Player of the Year. You got Chris Brown and you got Daniel Britt coming from Nevada who played in Las Vegas, beat Bishop Gorman. Because here's the deal. If you're, if you're a college coach, you like the idea of potentially, if you can get a guy that's a sophomore potentially or a redshirt freshman to start for the next couple of years so you don't have to keep trying to interchange the quarterback position, well, that's fantastic. Because when I think about the competition, these are talented quarterbacks. Montana doesn't seem to have the problem Montana State has had in the past. We'll see if Coach Brent Vegan can fix this. But Montana has no problem developing quarterbacks. So this is a very talented quarterback room. And Daniel Britt now adds to that when you've got a lot of young quarterbacks in here. Again, I, I, I don't, know, don't know much about Rigel. I don't know much about Patterson, but I just look at the young talent that they have. I got to imagine you're going to find a way to try and get those guys the opportunities, especially if they do get three games. I can imagine all these quarterbacks getting some series. I imagine Cam Humphrey is going to you know, get a couple series early on, but then they're going to look to these other quarterbacks to see how they play. Again, I'm, Coach Houck, I know, may look to want to win these games as well. Maybe I'm completely off base. I'm only speculating what I think they may do. But it's a talented quarterback room, and at the same time, you want to figure out, okay, if Cam Humphrey is the guy going forward, because I think Chris Brown can also push him. If he is the guy going forward, you got to have a number two just in case of injury in the fall. And at the same time, too, you got to figure out, okay, which of these quarterbacks can be your future? Because you've got youth within that quarterback room, and you got somebody that could potentially start for the Grizz for the next two to three years. And that's far better than trying to figure out who your quarterback is from year to year and always relying on the transfer portal to figure out where your next quarterback is coming from. So it's a very interesting question with that quarterback situation. It's not, like I said, it's for Montana, it's not like Montana State, the question of who can play quarterback. It's the question of, all right, is Cam Humphrey uh, the guy? Can he beat out the other young, talented quarterbacks? And then at the same time, of the young, talented quarterbacks, who's playing number two behind Cam Humphrey and who could be the future for the Grizz offense? Number two, my big question, who replaces Toure opposite of Akem? Obviously, we know Akem is probably going to be weak. Well, not probably, is going to be wide receiver number one. But who's going to be number two? Is it going to be Gabe Solser? Dude showed great flashes in 2018. Didn't play a lot, and I have to imagine, I don't know for sure. I can't remember. It seems like so long ago. And because of COVID, we really don't know um, that what, what, what the deal was in 2019. But either way, Solser looks like he could be a guy that makes a big jump this year. Uh, what about Malik Flowers? We know he's a great kick returner, but is he a guy that can now play in the offense as a pass catcher and make plays? 
Then you look at Mitch Roberts, who kind of played that number three receiver role when it was a Kim and the two ratio. Roberts had 37 catches, 420 yards, one touchdown. I would be, again, if I'm a leading betting man here, I would bet that Roberts is probably your leading contender at the wide receiver number two spot just because of the experience he brings, and then you can kind of work those other guys in in the slot along with moving these guys around because Roberts can obviously line up in the slot. He can line up outside as well. So it's going to be interesting to see who lines up across from a cam. There's talent there within the wide receiver room. There's also a lot of youth within that wide receiver room as well. But again, those would be my three leading guys here to try and figure out, okay, who's going to be the opposite of a cam and who can be that uh, Robin to a cam's Batman uh, when it comes to the passing game and, and being a deep threat and being a guy that can move the chains. Number three, pass rusher. Patrick O'Connell returns as a leading sack artist for the Grizz defense. Can't O'Connell build upon this this, this past year uh, and its breakout year and be that playmaker Montana needs from its past rushers and continue to wreak havoc on the quarterback position and make opposing quarterbacks fear Patrick O'Connell. I think he can. O'Connell's 56 tackles, six and a half sacks, four pass deflections, one fumble recovery. When you look at great defenses, they've got impact players at all three levels. Well, right now, Montana's defense has impact players at two levels. You're talking about Robbie Houck as a safety. You're talking about Jace Lewis as a linebacker. Who's going to be that guy who's going to be the playmaker uh, rushing the quarterback on the defensive line or is just a pass rusher in general within that defense for Montana? I think it can be O'Connell. I think with obviously I'm curious to see what kind of gains he's made within the weight room with a full year. But I think he can be that guy. So then you're talking about, because when I think of the triplets, especially on defenses, and I'm going to go back to Tampa Bay for a second here, I'm looking at, Sap, Brooks, and Lynch. All three of those guys going into the are two of them already in the Hall of Fame, one about to go into the Hall of Fame later this year. And so can Montana's defense have that? I think it can. O'Connell, Lewis, Hauk. I think that's exactly what uh, the deep Grizz defense would like, and I think Patrick O'Connell can be that pass rusher. I think he can get more uh, than six and a half sacks uh, this upcoming fall. Number four, the kicking game. Who takes over here? Um, it's going to be very interesting because there is no returning kicker here for uh, the Grizz. Uh, Cooper was a walk-on. Carver Gilman's from Whitefish has been on the roster. Both of those guys were on the roster uh, last year. And also you've got freshman who's extremely talented, Camden Casper, who is the record holder from Billing Central for most points scored by a kicker, 198 points. So the kicking job is going to be really, really interesting as well. And I think this is an area where a young player, I think this is where, because like I said I, earlier, I think all the freshmen might be redshirted. Uh, we'll see what the competition's like, because I imagine that's going to be a heated one here during the spring. But can Camden Casper take that job? I mean, the dude can definitely, he's talented. That leg is definitely talented. So again, it's curious to see what kind of work Cooper and Gilman have put in. And it'll be very interesting to see how that competition shakes out. But those are my three guys right there that obviously look like the guys to take over. And they're going to have to rely on somebody. And it's going to come down to big kicks. And that's going to be the interesting part uh, about it. My number five question here as we wrap things up, uh, how much has the weight room really impacted the lines of this team? The offensive line and defensive lines. I talked about O'Connell a little bit, but again, those run stuffers, the nose guards. Then you talk about the guards and the centers and the tackles. We talked about how Montana's offensive line has been a question mark since Houck's return. Is this now going to be an area of strength? Because obviously the last time Montana and Montana State got together, we kind of saw what happened. It was not pretty if you were a Grizz fan along the lines. 
And so the weight room aspect, if they, as, as Coach Houck has alluded to so far, as they've gotten ready for practices starting today, has been the weight room. And has the weight room been beneficial to the linemen here for Montana? And can they increase their ability to, one, pass protect, so that way Cam Humphrey doesn't have to take a lot of shots, and at the same time open running lanes for Marcus Knight and really allow that running game uh, to be a very, very potent weapon. We've seen the passing game and how dangerous it is because of obviously the talent between the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and the tight ends as well for Montana. But the offensive line, can that now become a strength for Coach Houck, and along with that, can Montana's defense uh, bolster its run defense? So those are my top five questions with Grizz uh, football. When we come back here, we'll get you the latest on what's going on with Montana State. Think about where you were one year ago today. What were you planning for? Whether or not you planned for a new challenge, you got it. And most importantly, you succeeded. Cooking at home. Learning at home. And banking at home. At Whitefish Credit Union, we understand you've been through a lot. And as you move through the year, just know we'll be right there at your side. This year, next year, and always. Whitefish Credit Union. Subject to membership eligibility. Uh, One of the things I wanted to talk about, but I don't know if we're going to have enough time here, but something that was interesting I wanted to point out, uh, talking a little NFL here for a second, was quarterbacks. The quarterback carousel, we've been talking about that leading up to, we got free agency starting next week within the NFL, the new league year, all those types of things. I think the tampering period's already begun too. But it was interesting because I was watching the Rich Eisen show and he put up the cap percentage of quarterbacks in the NFL. These numbers will surprise you because it did me because some of the names you would think command a huge amount of the cap percentage of the team. And there are some names you're like, Huh, I didn't think he'd take up that much cap. So beginning with this, Deshaun Watson, obviously a name that has drawn a ton of interest because of the fact he wants out of Houston. I thought because of his huge cap number and his huge deal, he'd be a bigger percentage, but he's not. He's only 8% of the Houston Texans cap. 8%. You kind of want that number. If you've got a franchise quarterback, it seems like the math points to you kind of want your franchise quarterback to be under 10%. We saw Brady restructure his deal, which saved the Tampa Buccaneers $19 million. We saw Patrick Mahomes for the Kansas City Chiefs restructure his deal, and they do uh, some salary cap maneuvering, ends up saving the Chiefs about $17 million. So Deshaun Watson, 8% of the Houston Texans cap. Dak Prescott, after his new deal earlier this week, he is 10% of the Dallas Cowboys cap. Patrick Mahomes, 13% of the Kansas City Chiefs cap, and that's including what he did today. Uh, Carson Wentz, 13% of Indianapolis's cap. Roethlisberger, 13% of Pittsburgh's cap. Uh, Jared Goff, 14% of the Detroit Lions cap. You look at Kirk Cousins, 16% of the Vikings cap. Russell Wilson, 17.5% of the Seattle Seahawks cap. And then this name doesn't surprise me, but it's the one that's at the top that does. Second most cap percentage absorbed by a quarterback and their franchise. Aaron Rodgers takes up 20% of the Green Bay Packers cap. That's why they're not going to be able to re-sign Aaron Jones, and they're not going to be able to sign their center, Lindsey. At least it seems like that's the way they're not going to go. Now, again, I don't know if they would go to I don't know if they'd go to Aaron Rodgers and say, "Hey, can you take less?" 
maybe if they didn't draft Jordan Love, maybe they could. So that way they could keep Lindsey because let's face it, we saw what happened to Green Bay. When you could get to Aaron Rodgers, the Superman that usually looks like Aaron Rodgers is no longer Superman. It's Clark Kent. He just turns into Clark Kent when there's the pass rush that's able to get to him. So you want to be able to protect Aaron Rodgers and you don't want to lose a good center like Lindsey. But it is what it is. You got to get under the cap, especially because the salary cap came down this year. The name that's at the top of the list that commands the most percentage of the team's cap, I still couldn't believe this name. Matt Ryan of the Atlanta Falcons commands 22% of his team's cap. Now, if I'm Atlanta, I, I don't know, can you trade Matt Ryan to somebody else? I mean, Kyle Shanahan would seem like the likely destination because, again, Garoppolo, eh, he hasn't really been healthy except for one season. So do you trust him at that point? But can you, if the Falcons can, I think they, Matt Ryan still has good years left. But can you get that number down? I think Julio Jones also commands somewhere near 10% of their cap. So two players, ultimately 32% of the team's cap. That's a problem. So again, it's just really, really interesting because it brings up the debate. And it is a $100 million question, essentially, when it comes to the quarterbacks. Do you try and get your quarterback paid now and get all your money that you can now or do you try and take a little bit of a hometown discount so that way your team can get better players around you so that way you could try and win more rings? We saw Tom Brady do that today to help out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so they could try and get everybody back on board and be able to try and win another Super Bowl and make it two in a row. That's ultimately the question because, again, Russell Wilson wants help. Well, you only have so much money within the salary cap, and there's other players that, are, that you have that are top players. So it's a very interesting question. It's something that we won't be able to get too much into uh, 